she was adopted and came to America when I think when she was 11. And she had the opportunity. That was a, she's excelled in her school to where she was able to attend a, uh, a black leaders conference, youth conference for, for black leaders. And so it was pretty remarkable for her to be able to be there. And you can tell that she's not polished, but it was coming from her heart. And uh, that's what God asks of us, just, just to pray from our heart. Just allow him to be number one in our lives. And, and I, I just wanted you to know that there's nobody in this room that couldn't pray better than she prayed. But she prayed from her heart. And I, I just wanted you to see that. I, I came across that this week. And, and uh, maybe next week I'll print, or the week after, I'll print a prayer that was prayed over our president from the man that was imprisoned, uh, a preacher who was imprisoned and, and was set free from uh, third world nations and came to America, and uh, he was asked to come and pray, and I got a chance to read that prayer last night, it was probably, I don't know, 10 o'clock, and uh, it's a pretty profound prayer. We need to be praying for our president and whoever our president is. God says to pray for leaders, pray for your school boards, pray for your uh, folks in the township. We, we are facing a tremendous need in America for people to pray and to seek the face of God. Amen? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 19 this morning. This is a wonderful Celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, Revelation 19 has actually two meals in it. One we want to be a part of and one we don't want to be a part of. After this, I heard that sound like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah! Say it with me. Hallelujah! Say it again. Hallelujah! Strange to find that word in the Bible. You won't find it anywhere except right here. It happens about four times as we go ahead and read here. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are His judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute who corrupted the earth by her adulterers. She, he has avenged on her the blood of His saints. And again, they shouted, Hallelujah. Say it with me. Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the living four creatures fell down and worshiped God, who were seated on the throne, and they cried, Amen. Hallelujah. Say it with me. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Then a voice from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, both small and great. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of a rushing water, like uh, the loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. 
fine linen stands for the righteousness of the saints. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, Do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers who hold the, to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What an exciting portion of the last day's message. And this is a, a time of celebration. A time of celebration. In verse 5, it says the word servant. Um, what is a servant? A servant is someone who is involved in doing exactly what he's told to do. He follows instructions. Often, the service involves it is voluntary. It doesn't have to be a paid position or, or a bondage. It could be a voluntary place of service where you offer obedience, devotion, loyalty to one another, loyalty to the, to the effort that you're working. And the word is used also in, in metaphoric signs of servants of Christ, a servant of God, and also a servant of sin, a servant of corruption, a servant of evil. And so you see the concept is, is to surrender your thoughts and minds to be a servant. In chapter, five, or in chapter 19 and verse 5 it says, Then a voice came from heaven's throne, Praise our God and all you servants who fear him, both small and great. A celebration. A celebration of, of the servants. How, how we become servants of God? Real simple. We realize that we're sinners. And we say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for the sins I've committed. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I want to live for you. We immediately become servants of the Lord. Now, asking Jesus into our heart is just the beginning step. Then there comes the area of obedience where we begin to read the word on a daily basis take in spiritual food into our soul to strengthen us up so that we can live for God and say no to sin and continue to say yes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's that being a servant of the Lord is a will of Him, being loyal to the Word of God, being loyal to the principles of God, being loyal to the things that God... And it, it, it reads, let us rejoice and be glad and give Him It is that promise of restored intimacy with God, his purpose in developing his people, the Holy Spirit restoration in the bride. Throughout the Old Testament, you'll find that Israel is called God's bride. In the New Testament, that the church is God's bride. You'll notice in verse 8, it says, fine linen, of being justified by faith in Jesus Christ. In the marriage supper of the Lamb is the fellowship of eternal blessedness foreshadowed by the Lord's Supper rather than a literal meal. And so it is the concept of the marriage supper of the Lamb is this fellowship that we have with God in one another. And it says that the saints of God will come together. And so that means the rapture of the church has already taken place and this is, is going to uh, come together as the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a time of, of celebration. 
celebration because Jesus is about to come to this earth. And so the body of Christ being the servant, the word servant there, the body of Christ, is rejoicing. That's why you find the phrase hallelujah four times in like eight or nine verses. Why is that so important? Always remember this, when God's word repeats a phrase or repeats a word throughout a portion of scripture, it's because there's something there you need to be listening to. It's something there that you need to comprehend and understand, that there is a celebration day coming. And for the saints of God, they're going to be singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Give God the glory, give him the praise. I have accomplished this. I have escaped hell. I have escaped the sins of this world and I'm righteous because of God's righteousness, and I am in fine linen. I worked my way through Bible college, and one of my jobs was uh, for probably two years, I worked in a tuxedo shop. And, And part of that was the fact that we had linen tuxedos, and we had washers and dryers in presses. And they said, once you get all the work done, you can do your own laundry if you like. There was nobody in Bible school that had their pants or their shirts pressed better than mine. <laughs> and I learned all of that, and, and I, you know, understand linen. And when it says white linen, it's not going to be a flimsy sheet. It's going to be good quality cotton linen that's going to just be superb. And the, the concept is, is that it's pure. It's right before God. The marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be an absolute awesome celebration. So how can we get there? We get there by saying, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, help me to read your word. Lord Jesus, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And when it's the right time, Jesus will come in the clouds and call the body of Christ to himself called the rapture of the church, the catching up of the bride. And we'll be in heaven, and then we'll come with him to this part of the celebration of the wedding supper of the Lamb. You'll say, Pastor, that sounds far-fetched. That sounds like it's way out there. Believe me, the virgin birth of Christ is a far-fetched story. But what's history tell us? It happened. It happened. And so why should we doubt anything in God's word? If we we take part of it, we have to take all of it. Take part of it, we have to take all of it. And so there's a great celebration going on for the Christian. But then the story changes when you have to realize what the rest of the world will be facing. The rider on the white horse... I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. The rider on a white horse is Jesus. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him, and no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. 
out of his mouth comes a sharp sword and with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Say it with me. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the in the sun, who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in the middle air, Come, gather together for the great supper of God. What supper? The great supper of God. Folks, this is getting pretty gross right now, okay? If you have a weak stomach, you might just want to put your fingers in your ears on this. So that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and mighty men of horses and of their riders, and the flesh of all peoples, free and slaves, small and great. Then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against the rider on the horse and his army. But the beast was captured, and with him the false prophets who had performed the miraculous, miraculous signs, miraculous signs, on his behalf, and these signs he had deluged those who, and these signs he had deluged those who had received the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. The two of them were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulphur, and the rest of them were killed with the sword that came out of the mouth of the rider on the horse, and all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. We have a hallelujah at the beginning of this chapter, and then we have the proclamation of judgment. The proclamation of judgment. The Holy Spirit is a, a spirit of prophecy as well. And the word prophecy means a foretelling. It is it's foretelling for something before something happens. And it's that prophetic word that is taking place. It's the proclamation of God's word forecast the events that's about to happen. The declaration of God's word telling very boldly what is going to take place. Telling forth God's truth and God's will. So both respects, the prophetic word of God and the book that reveals God's will through his word and his works as well as the book that reveals God's plans and God's predictions. It, it is a fantastic concept to realize what the Old Testament revealed Christ and how the New Testament is inspired by the Holy Spirit as well for the same prophetic purpose, and that is to reveal Christ. The Old Testament was given to us to reveal Christ. The New Testament is given to us to reveal Christ. We need to understand that Christ came to this earth, lived a spotless life, died for our sins, and went to heaven, and we can live for him on a daily basis. John's temptation to worship the angel repeats an emphasis that that is idolatry worship, and the church must not worship the messenger, it must worship the message. Otherwise, when you worship the messenger, you're into idolatry. True prophecy is God's word speaking directly to us. The marriage supper of the Lamb was an actual, an actual meal in heaven. It's the final manifestation of the marriage of Christ and his wife, the culmination of the initial relationship. It is a, just a fantastic 
illustration of how much God loves us. The white horse symbolizes victory. Say it with me. The white horse symbolizes victory. Jesus is coming on a white horse. And those who follow him, if you remember as I read that, said they are coming on a white horse. So that is what you're calling a victory is going to take place here. It is all about the victory. And it's the rapture of the church take place. The, 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 the rider on this white horse is faithful and true, describes Jesus. It, it, it is the fact that the victory is in the fact about to take place. Um, and his cross, his resurrection, his standard and method are uh, quite different. He judges in the lock in the court, not on the battlefield. He conducts a spiritual warfare. It, it, it's, it's a fantastic event that takes place here of judgment that Jesus is pouring out judgment upon the sinner, the one who fails to accept Christ, the one who rejects Christ, the one who who worships the Antichrist, the one who lifts up the Antichrist. Uh, many crowns represent the unlimited diadems and the sovereign authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fullness and the personhood of Jesus. It's unbelievable. Christ's robe is dipped in atoning blood, not that of his enemies. Since the battle has not yet taken place, Jesus reveals the characters and the purposes of God and sends him in on a white horse. A white horse is victory. He's declaring victory before the war takes place. The armies in heaven are glorified saints described in similar terms of purity. This is best seen in the time of the rapture as the church triumphant rides to meet Christ and others returning saints. And so it's all about the body of Christ being involved in the marriage supper of the Lamb. The sword comes out of his mouth is the word of God, the rod of iron, and treads the wine press. When you hear the wine press and the treading of the wine press, this is talking about the wrath of God. God's wrath will be poured out. And the prophetic word is that the birds are, are being prepared for this event. The fall of the year, the birds kind of gather up and, and, and head south. And it's unique to see that take place. You're going to see a tremendous amount of birds in the sky when this marriage supper of the Lamb takes place, and then it goes on to this, this, this war that takes place, the battle of Armageddon, and the wrath of God is poured out. Christ's return to earth is seen as literal, and it's going to take place. The victory is announced before the battle. Something to be learned here. You say, well, Pastor, you know, that's, that's in the future. That's down the road. I want you to comprehend something. Jesus on the white horse being victorious before the battle is won. I want to encourage you that if you will simply read the word, pray daily, God will help you to be victorious in every battle you walk into. You read the word and you pray and you fight the battle. Whatever it is, God will help you to be victorious. 
That is the key to life. You've got to say, man, I've got all these bills, I've got all these problems, I've got all this going on. Remember who you serve. You serve God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We are servants of God. Amen? And what are servants? They are loyal to their master. We are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are servants of the Holy Spirit. And when we read the Word of God and the Holy Spirit moves inside of us, it transforms us. When we move in the Word of God, it's anointed. It literally does a work in us. The Scripture says the Word of God will not return void, but it will produce results. And so we live for God, and we are going to be victorious no matter what because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll say, well, Pastor, what if we're not victorious? Give him praise anyways. Pastor, I I'm, I'm, I'm just don't look like I'm winning. Give him praise anyways. You see, when the Antichrist comes to this world for seven years, first three and a half, things are pretty good. And then he does the, the, the declaration that he is in control at three and a half years, and he takes over all the governments of the world and takes care of everything else under the sun, and you must bow and worship the Antichrist. Now, the body of Christ is raptured out of here before this all takes place. But that seven and a half years is going to be absolutely horrible. If you do not take uh, the mark of the beast, if you do not uh, follow him, you will lose your life. You can come to Christ, but you'll probably be martyred. Uh, it, it's going to be a very, very difficult time. So all the more reason for us to get our hearts right with God stay right with God, and to know that we're going to win. And so the tribulation is going on, and, and things are totally out of control. People saying, how in the world is this ever going to happen? And, and the body of Christ thinks, wow, it's all over with. But no, 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 no. God has his time of wrath, and God is fair on how he treats all of us. And his wrath will fall on those who choose not to serve God, those who rebuke uh, the things of God, those who turn their heart away from God, those who, who worship the Antichrist, those who do not love God and read his word and pray on a daily basis, that the wrath of God is coming for that type of people. And so the final time is, is the climatic time, and it's a very difficult time. And so you have the revelation of the truth coming out. The battle of Armageddon takes place. The war of Jordan in the plains of Jezreel uh, called Megiddo. It is a military force of the beast and the false prophet uh, will be totally destroyed. I cannot fathom an army of men being totally destroyed to the point where if those corpses aren't taken care of, it's going to be a stinky mess. And the birds come in and clean up the mess. You see, there is a tremendous hatred for the Jewish faith. Tremendous hatred for the Jews. And this will be the culmination. Because you see, everyone is marching on Jerusalem. 
Some of us are wondering what in the world is going on in Syria. I have to tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. I have to tell you, certain things have to come into play for that to happen. Part of that is for Turkey to be overran by Magog, which is Russia. So, is it horrible what's going on over there? Yes. But guess what? You're just hearing about it. It's been going on for centuries. Genocide. One group of people destroying another group of people. And so, yes, it's ugly, but it may be that this has to take place in order for, for the total fulfillment of the book of Revelation and all of this coming together. But there is such a, an anti-Semitic level going on in our world today that you continue to see how that all the nations of the world will come against Israel. It's mind-boggling to think that that would ever be, but it is happening. It's happening even now. Why is it that all the governments are in uproar in the world? I believe it's the setting the stage for the Antichrist to come. So everybody will say, yes, we need one world government. Yes, we need a one world leader. That's how the Antichrist will be able to take over so easily. But we are to pray and to seek the face of God, live a separated life from the world, and get as many people to a salvation experience as possible. You see, the beast is a man. It's not a computer. It's not a government system. It is a man. And that beast and his cohort will be thrown into the lake of fire. Annihilate. There's an old evangelist who passed away, I think probably 10, 15 years ago. He said these words, and you've got to really think about them before they, they connect. In our well-intended identification with the world, okay, in our well-intended of identifying with the world, we are trying to identify with the world. That's who we are intentional in, in doing that. In our well-intentional identification with the world, we do not mold it. We do not mold it. Meaning the world. It molds us. We are not to be isolated. We're not to be isolated but we're to be insulated. Moving in the midst of evil, but untouched by it. We're not to be isolated, but we're to be insulated. Moving in the midst of evil, but untouched by it. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. 
That is what these young people are doing, going to school every day. That's what you're doing when you go to work every day. That's what you're doing when you go to the marketplace every day. You are an influence in the world that you're living in, and you cannot be isolated from the world, but you've got to be insulated to where the penetration of Satan's power and the demonic of the world is not touching your heart. And you can't do that in your own power, in your own strength. It takes the power of God working in you. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to put that insulation around you. I have a water, and I don't know if there's any truth to the matter or not, but they have insulated blankets that take hot water tanks. Quote, unquote, it's supposed to give it a little bit better energy efficient. Well, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid, and I bought the cover, and I got it on there. It insulates it more. We are to take the cover of God's Word and cover our spirit, cover our bodies, cover our families as an insulation, as we are insulated and we cannot feel the cold or the impact of Satan coming against us. We must be insulated in the presence of Almighty God. And He will, in the Word, pray and seek His face and allow Him to be the God of the universe that He is, but also the personal God that he is for us. The revelation of God. Communion here in a moment, and communion is open to anyone that accepts Christ as their Lord and Savior. Anyone who says, yes, Jesus is my Lord, I love him, you're more than welcome to take communion. We'll take the bread and we'll take the cup and we'll hold them, and then we'll pray over them and we'll take them together at one time. But the key is, is to have your heart right with God. It's not important to go through the ritual of communion. What's important is to have your heart right with God and then follow Him in obedience to remember the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's so important that we say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins. Lord, I want to live for you all the days of my life. That declaration is vitally important to take and to say and to share and live before you take communion. And once you've prayed that prayer, Lord, forgive me, you are in the family of God, you're adopted in the family of God, your sins are forgiven, and you're going to make heaven because you've asked Jesus to forgive you. Does that mean you're perfect from that day forward? No, it means you're forgiven. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we continue to process that spirit of forgiveness. We continue to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me to live better. Help me to do your will in a better way. God loves you today. He cares for you. And he wants to empower you with grace. He wants to empower you with mercy that you in turn can take the grace of God and pass it off to someone else. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. And Lord Jesus, you died on Calvary's cross that we could have a personal relationship with you. And Lord, your word is very uh, pungent this morning that if we're not right with God, we may have to go through some horrible things and spend eternity in hell. And Lord, you know the heart of everyone here today. And Lord, my desire is for everyone here to have Jesus number one in their life and that they could have communion and remember the death, burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's just a broken cracker. It's just grape juice. 
But Lord, we take time to recognize your broken body. We take time to recognize it was your blood that paid the price for our sins. No one looking around, and I will not embarrass you, but you'd raise a hand and say, I need to pray that prayer today. I need to ask Jesus, forgive me. You'll raise a hand and put it back down. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on Calvary's cross for my sins. I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I confess my sins to you, and I believe that you've come into my heart. Now help me to live for you all the days of my life. Help me to read your word and pray and seek out Christian fellowship. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer a minute in your heart, communion is available to you. Ushers are going to come and and serve you. And again, please uh, take of the cracker and the grape juice and hold it. And when you do, we'll pray over the uh, broken cracker first, and then we'll pray over the juice.